welcome to the Not Last Podcast, Season 2, Episode 1. I'm your host, Andrew Neil Nunez. Today, I've got a very special guest, 2008 Olympian in the 5,000 meter and current race director for Eugene Marathon, Ian Dobson. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. All the jokes along the way were sort of sort of felt canned the second time around. Sure, but, yeah. have to remake them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So anyway, um, but anyway, then, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered that you uh, reached well, out. Well, you are the the biggest celebrity of note. Uh, you are the only celebrity <laughs> of note I have uh, had on this. Um, so I'm just starting up hey. season two. I just finished twelve episodes mm-hmm. on this first little yeah. project. Um, I've tried to make this, and, and I hope you'll f- feel free to share either as much or as little as you as you are comfortable with as we're talking, mm-hmm. um, but I've really tried to make this kind of project, this has been something I've kind of just poured my um, kind of creative side into, and make it a safe space to be mm, vulnerable and okay with feeling like an imposter, feeling, you know, like, <laughs> or fe- not that you're an imposter, but... Um, moreover, you know, <laughs> no. be, be a safe space to, to talk about some of those fears and struggles that, that are very real that I think we as, as male athletes don't get to talk about. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's yeah. okay to talk about it in other platforms, but I think for us, sometimes it's something that we just accept and bury if it's like, I really struggled with it, you know? So again, feel free. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I think that's, I appreciate that kind of preface just in terms of, of the the whole project itself, because I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, whether it's limited to or skewed toward male athletes or not, um, you know, that sort of, uh, I think it's kind of a defense mechanism of just of people saying like, you know, I always believed in myself along the way and, you know, it right, was right. hard work and all that, but it paid off. You know, I, I think that's true for very, very few people. Um, you know, I think everybody has this kind of just like constant self-doubt to some extent. I think that like, you're right. It's like, like it's, makes it sort of not relatable when people achieve at a high level and they say that they all lead in themselves all along and, you know, they don't really, you know, maybe they take you through a few surface level bumps along the way. But, but, um, but I think the reality is that for most people who are, who are trying to compete at a, at a pretty high level in any sport, the large majority of it is frustrating. Yeah, right. Absolutely. (laughs) There's a few high points, but like, but the most of it is is pretty tough and, and, you know, and that kind of sounds negative. I don't know. It doesn't, it's not supposed to be negative, but it's like, anyway, I, 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 I appreciate that as a preference because, or a preface, excuse me, because it, sure. it totally well, resonates good. with me. Um, well, let me kind of introduce you and then we'll just jump right into some, some mm-hmm. easy questions and then we'll get into some more hardball stuff. So, um, for those of you turning in, tuning in, thanks. This is the Not Last Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 1. I'm your host, Andrew Neil Nunez, and I have with me today Ian K. Dobson. Uh, he's a prolific runner and someone who really does some amazing things for Tracktown USA here in Eugene, Oregon. He's the race director and kind of head honcho over at Eugene Marathon, world-class events that he puts on, um, and he has got quite a substantial pedigree. So uh, thanks, Ian. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, thanks, Andrew. Can you tell me uh, specifically kind of what is your current occupation? Yeah, my current occupation is, as you mentioned, race director for the Eugene Marathon. So that's full-time year-round job. We just we do a couple other events as well. We actually just finished up with a virtual um, event that we hosted over the week of Thanksgiving. Um, 
but the Eugene Marathon is our is our primary sure. event. Um, I I also coach high school track team, or high school cross country and track team um, here in Eugene, the Sheldon Irish. Uh, but but that is. Uh, not a career type thing. That's, <laughs> well, that's more good. of a hobby. Okay. So, um, even though it sometimes takes up as much time as my actual job. But. Um, I know I was out riding on the bike path and saw all the run to stay warm um, things. We were out on, uh, I rode out in Cottage Grove yesterday and rode around Dorena Lake and saw all the stuff. And it was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, well cool. done. That oh, looked good. great. Um, Thanks. So the, uh, the legend around you, the legend of Ian K. Dobson, um, is that you're fast. Um, can you talk a little bit about what is your distance and what is kind of your pedigree as a runner? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, everything has to be past tense right now, um, which is, which I don't say out of humility, <laughs> but, but out of reality, which is that, um, you know, I'm 38 and I, and I stopped competing, uh, you know, intentionally sort of like really training, um, after the 2012 okay. Olympic trials. So, um, so it's been quite a while. So, so my, my primary race distance was um was the 5000 okay. meters um and and that's typically run on the track i mean there's the, the way i competed there was some ability to kind of jump on the roads once in a while too but um but i was primarily a track runner and and so even starting back in in you know high school and college it was always kind of that middle upper middle distance that that suited me pretty well so in high school here in Oregon that was the 3000 meters and then in college it was anywhere from like, you know, 3K up to 10K. Uh, I ran a half mar- a couple of half marathons after college and was reasonably successful, but just always felt like, like in terms of making teams, uh, which was my primary focus, um, you know, the, that middle distance on the track, 5K was always going to be kind of gotcha. my sweet spot. Um, so for those of you who haven't read Ian's Wikipedia page, um, of which it does exist out there, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but there is a Wikipedia page. About you, um, I don't know if it's I don't know if your your yeah, partner put that up or or a teammate or something, but uh, <laughs> it's pretty great. Um, I edit it every now and then just to keep it keep it exciting. <laughs> oh, perfect, thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, so, uh, in the five k, you went to you went to the Olympics, and talk to me a little bit about kind of your pathway running track. I know that there's, I mean, I'm coming out of a cycling background, and there's not a very clear there's not as clear of a delineation for do xyz have these times post up and then you'll you'll make the team and and so on and so forth can you talk a little bit about kind of what that you know was was it a securitist pathway was it a straightforward Mm -hmm. hit these marks and and off you go like what what was that for you yeah so it's it's compared to the cycling world at least what I, what I think I know of the cycling world, which mostly comes from you, um, I, uh, I think it is a fairly straightforward process. Um, the, there's two, two things that have to happen, essentially, to make the Olympic team in track and okay. field. Certainly when I was competing, and I think it's, it's fair, sure. fairly similar today. One is that you need to have, have hit the Olympic A standard, um, which is just a time standard that's set by World Athletics, which is our international governing body. And... Uh, and, and so you need to hit that and you need to finish in the top three in okay. your country. The, the caveat to that is that if, you're, if, you, if your country doesn't have more than one person, I think you can hit the international B standard and then one person from a country can go with that. In the U.S., sure. that doesn't apply. Typically, we have a number of people who are hitting standards. So, so essentially, you have to have run the, the Olympic A standard, um, 
sometimes there's a little wiggle room. Like if you finish in the top three, you might have a little bit of time to go okay. chase it after the trials. Um, but typically the, the, the idea is when, once the race finishes at the Olympic trials, the top three who have achieved that A standard in the time frame allowed are going to the Olympics. So fortunately, in my case, in 2008, when I made the Olympic team, the I think that ended up being that the top five finishers all had the A standard prior to the to the race and everything. So there was no nobody had to wait around and see if okay. somebody was going to get it or anything. But but there definitely were some were some folks who didn't have it who you know one of whom the one of the the uh, top runners going in Adam Goucher didn't have that standard and um, so we all expected in that going into that race that he was going to try to run that standard you know he'd take it out. Sure. Yeah. Fairly aggressively, and and that was his only right. chance to making the team. He didn't do that, and ended up dropping out and saving himself for the 10k later on. And um, you know, so there's a little bit here and there. My my path was was really kind of paved by having hit that standard the summer before. Can you so can I, you tell I, what what is the standard? Yeah. What like how what's the what's the speed? Like does it change or the time? I mean, sorry. Yeah. yeah. It, it's. It's very humbling to to say, well, when I was running, um, like in 2008, it was so the 5,000 was 1320, which is is an easy number to get your head around because it's oh, 64 okay. is exactly right. 64 second laps. So, you know, it's it's the there's sure. there's track math, right? That once you do it for a while, so you get in your head, right. I'm sure you have right. similar thing. So so 64s was always kind of like my barometer okay. of like success. If I'm fit, I can run 64s, you know, but it's not an easy time now. I want to say that it's closer to 1310, um, which is only 10 seconds, but that's a pretty big jump. Like my PR, the be- the fastest I okay. ever ran was 1315. Um, and so, I mean, you know, today I would either have to have figured out a way to run faster <laughs> or I would not sure, be making teams. Um, so it's, so it's a pretty aggressive yeah. pace. Like it's, it's fast enough that, that only a handful of countries actually fill up their three slots. So, so how was it for you? Like, think back to kind of the first time you hit that standard. Like, what was that like? Was this was it a stretch for you to hit it? I mean, you you are a naturally gifted athlete. There's there's no question here. But like, what what was that like? Did you expect to hit it? Was it an unexpected thing? Like, how'd that come about? Yeah. It, so I had a, an absolutely charmed um, fifth year of college. So I, I took, I ran for Stanford, had took five years, and in my fifth year, they have this fantastic thing. If you if you're not as focused on academics as some of the students there, you can um, if in your fifth year you I, I was able to take a full load of classes in the fall, okay. which is cross country season, a half load during okay. the winter term, which is indoor track. Um, during that season, I actually won my only, my first, my only uh, NCAA championship. I won the 5K indoors. And then outdoors, so in the spring quarter, I didn't have to take any classes. Oh. So I was pretty much running as yeah, a that's professional a nice spot at that point. It was fantastic. Sure. Yeah. It was great. And so uh, my training partner and I, uh, I mean, I had a number of training partners, but but um, my you know, close, closest match sort of training partner wise, Ryan oh, Hall, okay. who ended up yeah. going on to be one of the best American marathoners. He and I sort of just had this charmed year where we ended up getting first and second at the NCAA championships outdoors. He beat me. I got second, but we ran 1322, which at the time was, was yeah, really fast no for collegiate athletes. Again, now a number of people running that fast, but it was, it, it kind of indicated, I think that we were we were close. We, you know, we could potentially hit that standard. Two weeks after the NCAA's was the the U.S. Championships, which in 
non-Olympic years serves as the qualifying okay. uh, event for the world championships. So we ended up getting second and the third there. So we kind of ran away from a, a group of runners who were probably better than us for the most part. Sure. Or at least on par, you know, not a group that we should have run away from. So I think it was interesting because it... I think we surprised ourselves a little bit. I certainly surprised myself a little bit. We ran 13.15. I never ran faster. That's the, that's the <laughs> that's downside okay. of this story. But <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> let's just yeah. stick with the highlights here. Um, so I ran 13.15. He ran 13.16. We made this world championships team. And I think we really surprised like other American distance runners. And, and without taking credit for it, really, I, I do think it was like a little bit of a wake-up call for a number of athletes on like, oh, yeah, like we can run pretty fast, you know, and it was certainly not like other people hadn't run faster than that in the U.S. prior to us doing that. But I think because we were just coming out of, of college and there was a little bit of arrogance on our part, I think that like necessary arrogance to say, like, yeah, we got this. Yeah, it. we're sure. just going to yeah. like, we, right. yeah, like let's right. give it a shot, you know, <laughs> and uh, that I think it, it very quickly um, U.S. distance running kicked up real, you know, and it was like it was no longer, you know, the difference between 2005 and 2008. It was like in 2005, if you had the standard, you were likely to make the team. In 2008, there was no chance you were going to make the team. Sure, sure. Yeah. You know, it was like it was really it, it kind of shifted um, quite a bit. The depth grew and everything. So, um, so, yeah, so the first time I ran that standard, um, which at the time I think was would be on the margin of a yeah, world definitely. class. Yeah, definitely. You know, it was a, right. definitely a, a, a solid time. It was a just a I had a ton of momentum in my life and just was having a ton <laughs> of fun. You know, and like it was it, when it's fresh and new. When you're not expected to do it, there's no heaviness of like trying to keep a contract or something. It was just fun, you know. And it's like, like I, I think it's hard because I, I was, I struggled then for a long time to try to get that like, that lightness back around it, you know, where it was like, shoot, I'm just gonna go out and see what I can do, you know. And it, it that, that's hard to, that's hard to get back to. At least it was for me, you know. Once once that ship sort of sailed right. and expectations were high. Well, you kind of have to surround. You have to make it like you said earlier. Like your your lifestyle was that you were running like a professional athlete, but without the contract, right? So, like, mm-hmm. what better scenario do you have to mm-hmm. to make that happen, right? So then, Perfect. put a mortgage Perfect, on there, yeah. put a relationship on there, put a full time job on there, and yeah, sure. You it's hard to get that back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you just went. Did you just go to one Olympics or did you go to two Olympics? Just, just two. Oh, just, just two. two. Just yeah, one, no big yeah. deal. Just one. So I made, I made, <laughs> okay. I made, I made two teams. I made um, two two major teams. I made yeah, world championships team in two thousand five. Okay, which was in Helsinki, and then the Olympic team in two thousand eight. I made a couple other like world cross country teams and stuff, but those are still an accomplishment. I'm proud of those, but they're they're it's sure. not quite the same level of competition. So so take so me to um, to the Olympics. You are. You're sitting in the, you know, you're sitting with your team. I'm assuming there's, you know, uh, you're kind of in your your warm up area, right, un, under the stadium. Like, take me to that moment where you step out for the first time, wide eyed and bushy tailed. Like, what what is that like to compete? Granted, you've you've c- competed on your pathway to there on big stages before, you know, in NCAA's and and worlds and such. But like, what's that like to be at the Olympics? Like. You're this one little person, this tiny little person with billions of people watching you. Um, talk, talk about that. What, like, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, the, the truth is that I don't remember it very well at all, um, which I think probably speaks a little bit to sure. the, yeah, just yeah. how to, it was sort of surreal, right? You, and, and I think I was part of, I represented what probably most people who go to the Olympics, your experience is that you're not competing for a medal. I would love to say that I had, you know, thought I was going to win a medal. 
if I had run the race of my life, I think I okay. had a shot of making the final. And I didn't. I didn't make, I didn't make the final. So it's a prelim. Okay, got it. 5,000 meters, a prelim and a final. I, I, I was knocked out in the first round, um, which was... was, that, was you really were expecting that? You weren't... Or, like, what was yeah, your expectation I, there? I was expecting that. I mean, I... My... To be honest, I was tired by the time we got there. I, I think I ran the race of my life to make the team. And... Had had kind of a bumpy season, so so there's about, if I remember correctly, I think it was about six weeks from the time from the trials until, uh, okay, the Olympics until I was competing, and I went over to Europe and ran a couple races. Um, I oh, got wow. the opportunity That's to run cool. the Monaco Diamond League. Um, it might have been the gold sure, yeah. at the time, but Monaco in any case, it was like you know one of the, pretty much the best meet in the world, one of the best, and uh, really <laughs> cool. And I just ran terrible, you know. And so it was, you know, I mean, it's, and I could, even at the time, I could laugh about it. I mean, you know, a number of guys who I'd beaten to make the U.S. team beat me there. This was like two weeks after the trials and like, you know, you just kind of shake your head. But, but the truth was that I was, I was definitely a little beat up and tired by the time we actually got, I actually got to Beijing and everything. We had about two weeks, I think, at a training camp in Dalian, which okay. is a, uh, another city in China over on the coast where the U.S. track and field team had set up a training camp. So, you know, it was pretty dialed in and was doing everything right, but just sometimes your body just gets a little tired. And I think that's where I was. It wasn't terrible, but it just was like, I was, I knew it was going to be a pretty tough sure. go to, to make the final. So I did, I do think I did a good job of, 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 you know, giving it what I had. I mean, I think I, I think I gave a pretty full effort. Um, but it was interesting looking back on it, the, the, the combination of being like totally overwhelming and you walk in and you're like, Oh my God, like it's, I mean, it's a huge stadium. I'd never competed in anything like that. And, but also like this familiarity, a lot of the people who were running there were people who I was oh, familiar with. Oh, okay. From so you got some, so the, the, the number of, oh yeah. So a number of foreign athletes, um, I'm thinking of Alistair Cragg was a guy okay. who lives in Portland now. He ran for Arkansas. He and I had trained together, you know, Adrian Blinko, even Mo Farah, who at the time was not sure. the Mo Farah who you may have heard of today, who's like, you know, right. Gajillion Olympic titles and everything. He didn't make the final either, actually. Is there um, is there some solace in that? Some consolation in it? Uh, yeah. There was definitely some sure. solace in that. He didn't make the final. I know Craig Mottram, who was the at the time the well, I think might still be the fastest wow. non-African 5K runner. He didn't make the final. Yeah. It's I mean, it was a hard final to make, without question. And it just speaks to like the the timing of being prepared, you know. You have you have the consolation that, that he's not he, got kicked out in the finals but so you're you're racing with with these i guess not teammates but other other competitors that, that you know i guess because you all kind of run around in the same run around in the same circles we, i we guess did. No. i mean there was yeah, a lot sure. of a lot of traveling you know maybe not together together but we right. end up at the same races and so you know even warming up like i remember warming up with with i think this new zealander adrian blinko who ran, ran for villanova and like okay him and you know there's some of these guys who are around that like you just knew them and they were all i mean everybody's nice guys you know it's sure like, obviously you're trying to beat each other but it's a small enough community that we were i think you know for the most part friends there was right right certainly no non-friends you know it was like everybody got along and it was fun um you know and that was i think we all i, I just maybe made up memory but of all of us kind of being <laughs> like holy shit this is crazy like i yeah sure here we are you know <laughs> like um <laughs> but it was but at that time too everybody's like a little banged up and like you're at the end of a long season and everybody's had their own paths to get there do you think and you were you were a little overtrained going into that I've, yeah. I've heard this before where like a lot of athletes come in and you know 
I'm sure you went through like most athletes a, a taper period, but like, do mm-hmm. you do you think you were a little overtrained going into the Olympics? I do, yeah, and I think it's it's one of the things that's tough about the American system. Um, the American system, it's so democratic, right? In the sense that we, you have a trials and the first three across sure. the line with the standard right. go. And I think that's great. I certainly wouldn't advocate to change that. But it means that like for an athlete like myself, like I have to show up ready to run the race of my life, right? right? Um, and so I remember, you know, at some point in the months leading up to the trials, things hadn't been going great. And I just kind of sat down with my coach at the time and we talked about like, you know, what had, what had worked back in 2005 when I had really had this momentum in my life right. and run really well. And, and it, some of those things you can't control, some of them mm-hmm. you can. I mean, I, I, I did have good momentum in my life in 2008, but, but workouts were different. So we, we pointed back to some specific workouts and I just said, you know what, I, I got to get back to these basics. It's these three times a mile on five minutes rest kind of workouts that just, you know, they, they're not glamorous on paper, right. but they're hard workouts. Right. And, um, and so I just was like, it's kind of make or break, you know, I, I, I certainly can't be conservative here. So, so I think you're, you're spot on. I think there was an element of overtraining that was, uh, not avoidable necessarily. You know, I didn't, certainly didn't plan to be right. overtrained or, or just be kind of flat <clears throat> and tired by the time we got to the Olympics, but I wouldn't have made it there if I hadn't done that training to get ready to go. Sure. For the that makes sense. You know, it's, yeah. It's kind of, right. And I think it's, you see it often with Americans that are at the level that I was, which was that marginal, you're, you're not, it's one thing if you can, if you can kind of, you know, cruise a little bit through the trials and, and not that anybody takes it for granted, but, but the level I was at was like, I, I had to hit an A plus right. day to make a right. team. And, you know, and, and it's, and sometimes that just obvious uh, you know, consequences <laughs> sure. that you, you run the risk of being sure. a, little, a little flat afterwards. So how do you, I guess if you're if you're not running as competitively now, I know you're still running, I know you're still doing doing things and, and mm-hmm. doing events, but how do you look at what you've what you've accomplished and measure that in terms of success? Like what is that level of success for you? How do you say, Wow, you know, I competed at the Olympics and done. Like give me the lazy boy, feet up, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll never see that again. Like, how do you keep going forward and say, wow, I was really great at that, or that was an achievement that I'm very proud of? Like, clearly the Olympics is something to be proud of. Clearly the World Championships are something to be very proud of. You know, like, you, you've hit a lot of these milestones that, that are easy, I think, on from an outsider looking at you, being like, wow, this guy is, like, he's really... Uh, accomplished a lot like doesn't need to do anything else better work part-time selling hammers at Home Depot you know like (laughs) like how do you look at that with your background as an Olympian and say I'm successful now or I'm continuing to be successful what's your measure for for success yeah I mean that's uh, like I've struggled with that yeah I I mean I I think that's a it's a very very like appropriate question just because it I think it's something that a lot of people well, I don't even mean to generalize. It's something I'm fine. You with, can generalize. You know, and That's it, and fine. It's, and it's tough. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's. I think it's probably worth generalizing too. But, but you know, I mean, it's it it like the sort of success that I had as an athlete. It definitely didn't come easily, but it was. But it did come naturally sure. in the sense that there was you know natural ability, natural this and right. that, and you know, and 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 I think that I have had one thing in my life that I was extremely gifted at, and I. And I got a chance to do that at a really high level. And I, and in some ways it's like, 
kind of hard for me to believe that that even happened. You know, it's like, it seems like a very different, it seems like a different person, different okay, life sort of thing. Sure. You know? And I think that one of the things that, I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing or not, but I was pretty, um, I tried to be pretty deliberate about being done, you know? So I, I, okay. I knew like kind of 2012, I was like, I'm going to run through the trials. I knew I had essentially no shot at making the Olympic team that year. And, and then I was going to be done and I was going to, I didn't know what we were going to do next, but I knew that I was not going to be training anymore. Was and that so, like so was that kinda, like a light at the end of the tunnel sort of thing for you? Like, okay, now the, I'm done kind of thing. Yeah. 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 At that point okay. it was. <laughs> it was um it then yeah, I mean I, I kind of was had been struggling for a little while and like and I was still running fine. Sure. I mean I made the Olympic trials and no stuff. No big deal. Yeah. Uh-huh. It just wasn't <laughs> Right, but it, but it speaks to the question right. I think originally too, which was what is success like? Like in the sport, I wasn't. I knew at that point that I was not going to experience more success than I had, you know, or the sure. same level of success. It was like, how slowly can I stop the decline? You know? <laughs> right, and and or how how you know it. So it's. I think it's I think it's a hard question because I don't think I will be as good at, at anything else going forward as I was at that probably. And maybe that's a, a, a negative way of putting it. But yeah, I think but has has specific. has the barometer changed? Like, has your barometer then for your, your successometer like oh. has has that shifted then? Seeing that, like, yeah, yeah. well, you're never going to go to the Olympics again unless you're as a coach or as a you know as a whatever. But like, right. as an athlete, that's done. So has that barometer then or that standard changed for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that maybe 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 what's changed is like seen and this is probably what you were getting at initially but but the the idea that that balance is some level of success right so like like for me now like you know i have a job and you know i'm in a committed relationship (laughs) and i'm like you know have friends and my parents are living in town and getting older and i have all these things i'm trying to balance and when i was an athlete it was like i was pretty selfish you know and it was like well you have to be you have no choice you have to be exactly and and so and I was deliberately right. that way, you know, and and so now it's like I'm trying to deliberately not be as selfish as sure. I was, and like you know really make sure that during the holidays that they, they, I make sure that I'm spending the time with all the people it's important to spend time with, and um, and that's its own level of success, right? So there's there's professional right. success. It's like yeah, I want to I want our event, you know, the Eugene Marathon to be a world class event. Um, Success is much harder to measure uh, in that. You know, you're not objectively, you know, there's lots of things that are right, out of your right. control. We had to cancel yeah. event this year. We'll talk um, about that in a second. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, good. But I think, I mean, I think that, you know, I, mean, I think you could probably do a whole podcast, not even just an episode, <laughs> on, on that sense of like, how do you adjust those, what success right. means? You know, I think, I'm, I assume that you've probably thought about this a lot yourself. You know, like, how do you, What's what do you go to sleep at night feeling good right. about? Right. Um, I, I do I do know I will say like like you know I was coaching athletes for a while post collegiate athletes okay. for a while, and and I had a few people that I coached who I remember one guy in particular is great guy um, he's an eight hundred runner and he was like you know I remember one conversation in particular and I'm paraphrasing here but he was like man I would just be so happy if I could run one forty six. At the time, that would have qualified him for okay. the trials and these things, and I, I just remember being like, man, it, it, I guarantee you that will not make you happy. Like, like there's, you know, 
yes, it's an accomplishment, and yes, you're working really hard for it. But there is zero chance in my mind that that running this particular time is going to sure. make you happy. Doors open, you know, flowers unfold, and you've got yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. now you you no longer have ambition. <laughs> you just are resting on your laurels. It doesn't sure. work that way, you know. So it's like like probably the goal now is to be happier. Like I don't think I was. I don't think sure. I was unhappy as an athlete, but it was not being a, an athlete is not a recipe for being like super happy. Like if, if you don't have a strong sense of ambition, you're not going to be right. good. And and I think ambition is, is, you know, causes us to be yeah. restless. This, and this is very sage advice coming from someone who's been on the other side, you know, or who is on the other side. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, my, and I've heard this before from other um, who was it that recently said it? And I've heard other athletes say it. Uh, oh, Nick Simmons said this. And he's like, hmm. you know, to go to the Olympics or to go it and compete at this highest level that you can be, he was talking, he's like, this has to be an all-consuming thought. Like, it, it's everything and every fiber of your being is, is this. You eat, breathe, drink, sleep. Everything is about trying to achieve this dream and, and make this a reality. And that, I mean, for me, that's how I feel right now. And it's like, yeah, I... I, especially around the holidays, I mean, we just finished Thanksgiving this weekend and it's like, you know, I got in my 15 hours of training. Yep. Okay. Next week, you know, hit another 15 hours and it's just day in and day out. And it's, um, I think my, what, you know, so how do you, I mean, and I don't mean to turn no, this, it's fine. this podcast around on you, but how do you balance that right now? I mean, I know you like, I know you've got like Lauren's extremely supportive. I know that, but like, how do you guys make, well, we, um, Sometimes she has to put her foot down. There's no question there that she's mm-hmm. like, okay, take today off. We're spending the day together. Um, she, That's we've good. had talks at length of how long I want to pursue this. And I've, I've come to the conclusion, I don't want to be a grumpy old master's racer and say, you know, like, I don't want to be 40 something years old and go, ah, I used to be super fast. And ah, you know, um, so, yep. <laughs> so for me there, like you said, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel after 2024, like after that, if this doesn't work, at the very least, I'll come out with some top-tier fitness and some great stories to tell. Like, okay, great. Mm-hmm. Um, I have other ambitions that I want to pursue after that. So, like, I know that I'm burning things really hard and pushing the pace really hard, figuratively and I guess literally too, to try and get mm-hmm. to this point that's, you know, another four years or three years down the road almost. But um, we balance time where... I mean, uh, I'll preface with, I'm a very busy guy all the time. And it's like, I've got, mm-hmm. this podcast takes up some time, although I enjoy doing it. It's, um, I've got, you know, three or four other other plates spinning with um, maybe some side hustles or some side businesses that may be taking off in the bike industry. Um, and awesome. and it's just, it's very busy. It's a lot of time on the phone. <laughs> so, um so you know we we try and spend time together. She does understand a lot, and I I know that once this is over, that I will do everything I can to pay it back tenfold. <laughs> I think that's that's part of yeah. it. You know, she was going to do her master's program, and it was all like all hands on deck when she was doing her online master's program to get her her master's in library science. And it's like, okay, that was like I supported her. I gave you know I gave her the. Um, you know, uh, I carry the financial burden of, of that. You know, we were kind of single income household. Um, and I mean, we don't have any kids, so our overhead is fairly low. We don't have big debts. Um, and we try and manage that pretty well, um, except for the cats, but they eat a lot of food and that's okay. <laughs> but, you know, we've, we've talked about this and it's kind of like, 
I don't know that I'll ever go on for a higher education in terms of a master's or a, or a PhD. This is my master's or my PhD. Like, and approaching it through that lens of like limited duration, three more years and we're done. And hopefully I'll get the degree, if you will, you know, at, at the end mm-hmm. of that. Um, that's interesting. I, I think that's, I think that the, like the balancing of the partnership, like, like I know that there's, you know, a lot of times athletes will end up together and they're both trying to pursue things sure. at a high level or whatever, or people come out of undergrad and they're both getting, you know, master's degrees, right. PhDs, you get at right. the same time. And I, it, it sounds like you guys are sort of staggered things a little bit there. And that's really interesting to me because I do feel like that's one of the things that, that, I often see with athletes who are successful over a long period of time, you know, is they have like somebody in their corner who, who's not also, I mean, it's not that that person isn't trying to be excellent at sure. things, it's, but they're, but they're, they're not trying to do something in the same way that, that you are as an athlete. And I think school probably is a very similar mm. yeah, experience absolutely. in some ways, you know, yeah. it can be like, right. It's pretty right. consuming, right. If you, if you want it to be, right. you let it. So I think that, that sounds really cool. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's worked, it's worked so far. Um, but, yeah. uh, yeah, it's it's still a lot, especially during the holidays. Like the holidays are tough, even during, even harder during COVID when we're not with family or you know. But like, it's 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 selfish. You're you're right. It's very selfish. Yeah, yeah. Um, so transitioning a little bit into kind of COVID and and now your current occupation um, with Eugene Marathon. I know, like we were when COVID dropped or finally hit in March, like we were on the precipice of of Eugene Marathon going off like you were you were full gas into into oh, yeah. like the final preparations and and you know it wasn't <laughs> yeah so uh talk to me a little bit about how how that went um short of devastating <laughs> but, well yeah i mean yeah. the i will and i and i and i am not someone who tries to find the parallel to like sports and being on a team all the time but but i think this this really was because that's fine as cliche as you want to be i don't care it doesn't matter yeah, yeah i I, <laughs> it, I mean I, we got a great team on you know yeah there are four of us and um you know we we ultimately we didn't have to make a decision like we the decision was, was made for us like the governor's you know order came down right and and we were you know, then it was just executing a plan. But sure. we had spent a ton of time prior to that yeah. deciding if we should make a decision. You know, it was like we we wanted to do, you know, our business, obviously, so we got to, you can't just willy-nilly cancel things. But at the <laughs> same time, we obviously want to do what's right. And and so it just felt really good to, to have a group of people, you know, four of us spent just, I mean, a lot of time on the phone um, talking through uh-huh. what, if this, then how this, and what about these, this group, and how do we handle that group over there? And, this, sure. you know, and so I think as a result of that, we came out of it as a pretty tight team. We felt like we did a really good job. You know, we were really proud of, of how it went. We felt like we were able to be really honest with participants, mm-hmm. um, and provide reasonable options for participants, um, you know, and, and help them understand why we weren't able to provide other options, you know? So, sure. so I felt really good about that. Um, you know, we were able to cancel it far enough ahead that we saved on some of our, you know, procurement costs that would have come up last minute. So all of our participants are growing forward, so our costs are going to roll forward, but we didn't have to eat too much of it right away. So we're going right. to be okay as a business. You know, I think that um, we're, I'm extremely fortunate <laughs> to be working for, yeah. for an events company that is, is <clears throat> you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, is, is going to come out of this um you know, healthy and, and ready to, to really uh, grow over the next few years. That's awesome. That said, it's been tough because, again, going back to the 
you know, having an athletics background, you're used to like having some successes along the way, right? And this right. year has been tough because <laughs> yeah. it was like our biggest success got pulled out from under us, you know. And and when you're when you're an athlete, I don't think you realize. I never thought about the people behind the scenes as seeing event days as their big event too. Their, yeah, right, this their is, big chance. Exactly. Yeah, right. And 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 I feel that way now. It, it, so it was we missed out on that. Um, you know, it's, so it's been it's. It's been a challenging year for sure, but it has definitely, I think, brought us tight as a team. And it also forced mm-hmm. us to get pretty creative too, right? So we did these three, <laughs> yeah, three sure. events that I was, I'm really Those were great. Yeah. yeah. Talk, talk about those. Yeah. yeah. So we, so we um, well, the teammate that I mentioned earlier that uh, I ran um, collegiately with, you know, who in my fifth year, we were had this sort of charmed uh, teammateship together, Ryan Hall. He, um, well, he is now the bodybuilder which is a bizarre other thing but he's awesome 5k runner to bodybuilder he's huge okay he's, all right it's amazing you gotta look up Ryan. he's he's a fantastic guy and his wife sarah is still running she's running she's running very high level um okay. she ran 222 last fall for a marathon oh wow um holy cow yeah didn't run well at the marathon trials she was one of the favorites to make the team which is last winter didn't make okay. the team so anyway so i called up ryan and sarah and she's like hey you guys like got a just brainstorming here, like, what do you guys think about putting together a COVID-proof event in the sense that it would be essentially one person, be sure. just for Sarah? Think like Elite Kipchoge style, sub two mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? Where yeah. you're like, let's pick a big goal. Like, is it the American record? Is it what is it? Let's make a perfect course. Let's get your pacers, get everything set up, and right. and do it. You know, and they were like, yeah, sounds good, which kind of blew my mind. You know, fast forward, and eventually. London Marathon announced that they were going to do an elite field. So she ended up doing that, which made a lot more sense. But she still came to Eugene and we did a, a half marathon. She ran the sixth mm-hmm. fastest American time, um, you know, in a essentially a training effort to get out there before London. And then, um, and so that went really well. And then uh, guy, Ricky Sims, who manages uh, Galen Rupp and Jordan Hasse, yeah. among others, right. Usain Bolton, et cetera, <laughs> reached out, which was pretty cool. Small, small names, if you guys yeah. haven't heard of them, they're... They're kind of small potatoes. It was yeah. crazy. So, and he he was just very um, casual about saying, "Hey, would would you be interested in doing that same kind of event for Galen and for Jordan?" And we said, "Yeah, of course." And so, so we were able to do that. So Galen and and the Japanese marathon record holder um, Suguru Osako, they both came to yeah. and ran a half marathon on the same course that Sarah did. And then Jordan Hase came a couple weeks later and did the same thing. So none of those were like you know things that were monetized in any way but they were sure. but they were the wins for us as a team that we needed you know like i remember all of us getting back well, to our they were, office they were so much fun to watch yeah, too good. like to 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 follow along in the build up of it yeah. and it seems like for me at least i mean i i think Lauren and i are pretty tuned into what you guys have going on yeah, and we we follow it pretty good and follow track and field and and ultra running and all that but like it seems like it came out of nowhere and all of a sudden there was all of this hubbub of like Oh my God, Galen Robson, Eugene. Oh my God, and there's and there's just like all this stuff, and he's like, "Where is he running? What's happening? What's going on? Where's you know?" And like same with Jordan when yeah. she came in, it was like, "Oh my God, what's going on?" And so yeah. it was it was really cool to see that on their personal feeds, like on Instagram, on their personal feeds, yeah. and then suddenly they show up on your feed with Eugene Marathon, and you're like, three, two, one, go!" And it's like, yeah. "Whoa, wait!" <laughs> so that was really well done. That Thank was great. You. I appreciate yeah. that because it's it. it you know, there was always the worry that we're like not bringing people along for the ride with that, you know, and like, sure, it was because of COVID, obviously, we just we couldn't, you know, I think I think Galen in particular is the, the kind of guy who who would attract 
fans, right? If we said, hey, oh, absolutely, when yeah. and where he's going to do this, there's going to be people out there watching, and we just couldn't do that, you know. So you know what's what's funny or ironic there. Lauren and I, and I won't give up the spot where you've been doing this, but um, so, but um, Lauren and I went for a bike ride um, the day before on the on that same course, and we're like, "Oh, it's so nice out here! It'd be a great place to go for a run." And then, sure enough, it is. It's, it's yep, a pretty sure great enough. spot. <laughs> Flat, fast, yeah. No, it's it is. It's great, yeah. and it's but but it's way out there too, right? In the middle of nowhere. Yeah. There's no service out there, so you're not right. We can't do live updates or anything. So right, right. Yeah, definitely a different thing. But it was. Um, and I think it was, I appreciated connecting with those athletes too. You know, I, I knew them each a little bit, but okay. but it was just seeing them, like they weren't, those are athletes that get paid to race places, you know? And sure. we're not paying them to come out here and race this like, thing. <laughs> we're trying to figure out how to pay for the porta potties. You know, it's like, like we're not, like, right. it's, it's, it's a totally different thing. And they just wanted to, right. to race. You know, just they just want to run, to, like, get yeah. out and like, Sure. Finally, do something after after a while, and it was it just made me really appreciate them as I think as individuals in the sport. Um, That's great. Which yeah, felt good. It's yeah, it's it's so hard this year, like having everything stripped from you as an athlete. Like, there's no chance to prove yourself. And I would, I would go hand over foot to have someone say, yeah, hey, we're gonna put on an individual time trial for you, Andrew. You want to just come out and and like. I'd give everything for it, you know. Yeah. And and I think everyone is pretty hungry to to have that chance to prove yourself this year because we didn't get it. When it's, I didn't pin a number on all year. It's yeah. interesting too. Like I, you know, one of the one of the things we wrestled with there, and I, it was was how do we do these things for these individual elite athletes, right? They're kind of the top sure. of our sport as Americans, right? Without being elitist, right? Like we are a road race is a super, you know, <clears throat> just broadly attractive democratic sort of thing everybody's sure. on the start line together right and like right uh, you know and, and these were not that at all they were exactly what you're saying they're for these one two three people whatever and and you know and we really i that gets me excited for those those that high level performance but it also gets me excited to see like my colleague john you know has started running later in his life and like has just gotten so into it and he on saturday he ran a new pr for the half marathon he ran 134 that's a long way from galen rupp but to me it's i mean it, personally equally exciting it was fantastic you sure, know? So, we're, yeah. so we're really trying right. to like do two things at once there and i and i sense that with you too in some ways like i've you know listened to some of your your episodes and like and it is it's oh, wow, not thanks. about being better than anybody else right it's like right but it is trying to be as good as you can be and like you know those things are sometimes feel a little bit in right but tension. but his achievement as you know in a, in his new half marathon pr like you said half marathon yeah, right yep yeah. yeah. so like that achievement right is equal to the achievement that galen hit is like it's the achievement is the same it's still an achievement and you can't discredit those feelings you can't discredit anything yeah. and i think yeah um i think that is one thing that anyone who's came who has come to Eugene to run the Eugene Marathon has appreciated, and that, that's a great segue into my next question for you. Um, for how do you? Let me backtrack a little bit. I think you pulled off a really great kind of event with those without being elitist because it was an ex, it, it was an exhibition. Like it would be elitist if you said we're having Galen Rupp and Jordan Hesse and um, and these other top tier athletes. We have ten thousand dollars on the line. Who gets it? Like first one across the like that's the difference. Is that that's the elitist tick that that you didn't hit? Is like, well, they did this because they love to run and they wanted a chance to prove themselves. We curated a course. Watch how fast these guys are, and that's and that's what was 
what was really cool to see is that these athletes are just, they're just so stinking fast. Um, yeah. yeah. But then, so how do you, how do you do this? And I know you guys at Eugene Marathon make a conscientious effort to execute this, but how do you have the same top tier experience for the four or five hour marathon runner to the two hour marathon runner like it's the i mean granted it's the same course granted it's it's the same as what the pros run but like you deliver that same experience from the the slowest runner to the fastest runner like how do you how do you pull that off because you do it so well well yeah it's i i think it's i appreciate you saying that um because it it we do try to do that i mean and sure i can't take credit for most of that i've been there (laughs) i guess three years three and a half years now and and most of that had been developed already right so so i i do think like you know it's it's almost a challenge in the opposite direction where we want to say what are the what do we do for like a vip type package what do we do for our elite athletes like to give them an, an enhanced experience sort of thing you know sure and it's really hard to come up with those things because i feel like actually the whole thing is pretty good you know it's like and so we're like <laughs> right yeah like okay we can give them their own separate little uh warm-up area or something but not of them really want that <laughs> like it's you know it's kind of <laughs> like like i think what what the eugene marathon did really well from early on and that and that now we're just you know trying to keep going and keep building on is just focusing on performance on, on facilitating performance without being elite right so so it's saying what 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 do you need what's what are the small conveniences that are going to really help you perform well? You know, sure. How close can you park to the starting line? You know, how yeah. many toilets are going to be near the starting line? I mean, that's yeah, if, totally. if you could ta- take, you know, a, a poll of elites, what's the number one thing you want to make sure you have right before you're ready to go? It'd be a toilet. Right. And so everybody Absolutely. feels that yeah, way. Like, sure. like, so there's certain things like that, <clears throat> that we just don't skimp on. Right. Sure. Um, your goodie bag, we could skimp on that. That's not that's not a critical sort of thing, right? Sure, we're, we're, right. We're not going to try to skimp on that, but like, but there's mission critical and mission important kind of things, you know. And there's mission right. critical things like, do we have the shuttles to make sure that everybody's going to get here on time? Do we have the capacity within each corral to make sure that everyone's going to be safe? All those kind of things that like, you know, you you overthink those for an elite elite group that's that's thirty people or something, but for the other five thousand, ten thousand, however many people you've got, it's it's not a simple thing, you know, it's simple to say those things, but it's, but it is challenging to do them. And I, and I appreciate that sure. you, you say that because it's like, it is like a total, like kind of North star for us where we don't want to do a bunch of like crazy enhancements for elites that we can't do for everybody else, because that's not our, our ethos, you know? And I think that sure. other great marathons do the same thing. Like, I think if you run, you know, the London marathon, I think that your five hour marathoner is going to have a great experience there it will be different than the elites but it's but i think that that really good marathons do that well so sure that's that's awesome i I like hearing that it's it's more of a a level playing field right for for that trying to make that more of an equalizer not you know um not that running is a great equalizer because clearly there's people (laughs) faster than others but but trying to make that experience more of an equal experience that's that's awesome yeah yeah yeah. no thanks and i and i I think i will just add on it's like it's the truth is that it's it's not going to be a totally equal experience, sure. right? It's it's so I don't want to misspeak in that sense. Like we do personal bottles for the elites and different things sure. like that that just aren't scalable. At least I don't think they are. Um, 
but but the but the gist of it is as you're saying is like yeah we're 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 not trying to set we're not trying to put these people on a pedestal or something we're we're trying to kind of adopt industry norms and do as many so that as we can for everyone right so. well you've got you've got that understanding that like and I think that goes to the kind of the, what the core of the Eugene Marathon is one I and correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think you have the largest prize purse of the of the marathons out there. Oh God! No, we have like the smallest. <laughs> so I mean, so <laughs> yeah. so that first and foremost are like people are, who are coming out are coming out for the love of the sport, you know. But those people who do come out, if they're running, you know, the the four or five hour marathons or the three hour marathons, whatever, coming to come mm-hmm. to participate and compete for whatever their level of success is, like you have at your core, I think, an understanding that like this is valid, you know, like you've given so much of your time and money and effort as a competitor, as a participant. Um, now they're competitors. Like you can't call them participants. Like they're all athletes, you know, and you can't discredit that. Yeah. Like no. I couldn't get off the couch and do a marathon. I could go ride 200 miles in a day, but like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, no, it's, but like it's, it, they're athletes and, and you recognize yeah. that at, the, at your core. And I think that's, that's one of the beautiful things that Eugene marathon, and maybe that's just unique to Eugene because we're in this bubble of, of track town and, Hayward Field and you know and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that there is an intentionality though that like, I think, and again, I, it, not to set us apart, like I think others do it really well too. But I, I remember seeing um, like Nike. I think actually, I, I've seen some um, sort of behind the scenes market research or that they've done where they're trying to identify different prop runner populations, okay. you know. And so I've sort of paraphrased some of that <clears> in my own mind. And so we, basically, we have people who are who are, you know there to complete the distance there to you know perform they have like a specific time goal sure, right? and then compete and i think you 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 know the the complete and perform those two groups are maybe the same size approximately okay the the compete group is very very small very few people are there to like you know when someone passes them they're trying to go with them and, and stay there right most people have different goals but i think each of those is is important in its own way right it's not a hierarchy there right it's just it's a, not a it's hierarchy a, yeah acknowledging sure. these different categories and making sure that you are trying to provide something that is appropriate for someone who's there for the reasons that these people are there which are not all exactly the same reason sure so now for the the fastball round I've, right. I've got a i've got a stack of questions and and i'm looking for your um for your off-the-cuff answers um so, uh, 10 words or less, what's next for you? I'm going to get in shape. I, this is impossible to do in 10 words or less. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to become, You're gonna get become in shape. less of a okay. slob and hopefully pull off a kick-ass <laughs> marathon this year. I, okay. All right. <laughs> that's way more, but, All right. but, that's but, good but I am right. going to get myself in shape. I've, I've been a real slob lately. So <laughs> as many words as you want, uh, are you training for anything specific right now? No. Okay. If you were to train for anything specific right now, what would you train for? I would train for the Peterson Ridge rumble. It's a 20 mile trail race over in sisters that I've Ooh. done with my dog. Um, a number of times, although she's turning 12 this year, so I, she may have had her last go at it but but um <laughs> but it's a, just a really cool trail race that benefits the this you know high school team there and really low-key but but um but 20 miles is like you're saying you can't fake it so yeah right tell me tell me again what it is and when is it yeah the peterson ridge rumble and it is typically i think the second weekend in april it's usually a couple weeks before okay. the eugene marathon okay all right yeah. um favorite race to watch doesn't have to be track and field yeah favorite f- yeah i think um 
Honestly, probably the London Marathon. Um, and, and really, I mean, I, I, I love watching other sports too, but, but I really, I mean, I sure. really appreciate running. I think London has, <laughs> has adopted some of the norms that uh, cycling has. <laughs> They're still yeah. not there, but, but like, <laughs> but no, as much of a, a sort of one-off as the sub two, um, you know, tubs to our marathon that Kipchoge did was, right. it, it, to me, it was fantastic because it brought some technology some actual like ability to say like okay if he keeps going at this pace what's he going to finish at how far off is he how far ahead oh okay Running sure is terrible at that and cycling i think at least <clears throat> in some events is really good yeah at that. They, and they do a pretty good and, job at that yeah oh, it drives me nuts so i, I will, will <laughs> barely say you know a couple of those marathons but honestly cycling has done a much better job of making it watchable so well, every every rider has a GPS tracker on their exactly. bike, so you have it you have it in real time, yeah. right? Why um, the hell don't we do that? Okay, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll do that next year. Put, yeah. put put it in the shoes exactly, or something. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Um, they're not wearing much clothes, so you can't really hide it anywhere else. Uh, no, I don't but, know. Yeah, yeah, but we could figure. <laughs> um, favorite race to race. Um, favorite race to race would. Oh, probably the the. Um, I ran the Monterey Half Marathon one year, which is Monterey is the same course as Big Sur Marathon, but it's only half okay. of it. Um, so down in Monterey, California, I, I ran well there, but I also it was just beautiful and like great experience okay. sort of thing. So I'll go with that. All right, all right. Um, do you know how many races you've won in your career? No. Any idea? Um, no, actually, I have no idea. <laughs> not, honestly, not very many. Like, like, is the, like when I was in, if you include high school, then it's a bunch. Sure. But like, once I got to college, like, I, I rare, I mean, if I had to, from the time I got to college until the time I quit running 12 years later, I bet I won maybe a couple dozen races. Um, okay. It was, yeah, few and far between. They got fewer and farther between as, as time <laughs> went on. <laughs> uh, favorite piece of kit? Yeah. Um, what What's your go to piece? I mean, the probably a singlet because you never wear a singlet. I never wore a singlet unless I was racing. You know, it was like ra- like like I oh, would okay. wear the same shorts, tights, whatever in training. But I would never. I never had like a. I never had like a training singlet, and so it 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 was like not sacred in any sense. But like you know, there there was a little more of a ceremony around it. So and gotcha. it just like. Okay kind of got your you know adrenaline going singlet's on it's ready to go yeah yeah yeah. uh favorite run snack um probably i mean i i feel like i'm dating myself here but i like just peanut butter jelly sandwich (laughs) honestly like i would like i was i'd love to like cool down with it like with half a sandwich and just like getting calories right away just just a pbj all right cool my kind of guy i dig (laughs) it (laughs) um all right last five Mm -hmm. Five songs you can't live without. Five songs I can't live without. This is supposed to be quick, Andrew. Oh my god. Yeah, five songs you can't live without. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Um, okay. <laughs> advice for you in the future is to send these to your. Uh, no, guess, not at all. Guess, five songs I can't live without. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> dude, I'm gonna totally. This this, this humanizes know, you, man. I, this like, takes down the I'm legend like, of Ian Dobson. I, I mean, if I like. <laughs> do I say five Beyonce songs? I suppose that probably. Uh, you can. Would. I don't know. I that mean, I can actually. Justin Timberlake's yeah. pretty high up okay, on my okay. list. Like, it's all right. Um, well, I'm trying to think about what we we drove to the coast today and we had uh, music on the whole way. But Lindsay, honestly, I don't get any say in what we listen to or what we watch <laughs> or anything. It's I'll pass this one to Lindsay. 
<laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll bring her on okay. to the next one. Uh, f- favorite movie? Um, that one's more fair, I think. Um, not that the other one wasn't fair, but favorite movie. Um, <laughs> I, this is This is... With all due respect, one of my least favorite things to do was to do absolute favorites because I know I, have I know, but it. I here's I'm not going to answer the question, but <clears throat> I will say we watched My Fair Lady yesterday. That's a it great was movie. Great, I'd never seen it before. I was, I mean, it you know some pretty oh you you've never seen it was well yeah but you've never seen no, it before. I've never seen it before. Yeah, we watched it um, oh, wow. on Thanksgiving with my dad yesterday, and uh, so that was. Again, Lindsay's choice. She chose it, so that's what we watched. Are you going to put put marbles in your mouth and learn that's to speak? Right, that's how you. I, yeah. I, I will say it was intimidating <laughs> to come on here because you have like a, a podcast voice, and I, I have a somewhat more nasally voice. So, um, Be- people I'll, say I have a great radio face. <laughs> I, I've heard that before. Yeah, I, I think they mean that as a compliment, Andrew. Or, I think or radio yeah. hair, at least a very good radio <laughs> hair. Um, who do you admire? Who's who's the person you keep looking to? Can't say Lindsay, and you can't say yeah, Chad. Yeah, no, I won't. I, I, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's a good question. I, mean, I think it's I, I would could very truthfully say my parents, um, but I, nobody else knows my parents, so that doesn't do much. Um, that's okay. Um, these are your answers. Okay. These aren't answers to please other people. Well, but. But, yeah, but in trying to make it relevant, I mean, I think that that um, you know, there there are a few I mean, coaches that I've had over the years. And this is not really answering the question, but I, I saw a post today from a woman who ran for my the college the coach I had in college the last two years. This guy okay. Andy Gerard, he's at George Mason now, and um, you know this this woman who who ran for him and now runs post collegiately and is trained by him. Okay, posted right. you know like something about like I, I've seen all these you know people come out with stories about the challenges of being a female athlete with male coaching and blah blah blah. And she said, I'm so happy to not have a story like that. And it made me feel really good because this guy oh, wow. was a coach that I felt that way about and and sure there's many like him too but but there's a lot who aren't and it just so i really admired i was it was made me really happy because he was a person that i is a person that i admire and and it's fun to hear somebody say something like that about well it shows him. you i, like I that guess was a real compliment you know like the the depth of his character right yeah, yeah. that it wasn't just how he interacted with you it's how he interacts with everybody yeah. sure oh that's awesome yeah um all right do you have when you run like when i ride i use mantras a lot do you have a favorite like mantra or a quote that you always go back to or or something like that um i do actually that's it's oh what is it one of my this makes me sound like a bit of a crazy person but tell us tell us tell us so it's um (laughs) like i always so the the I can't make anything quick. Sorry. Um, the the backstory is basically that I feel like I've have you so have much... you considered a, a a secondary life in politics? <laughs> you know, I think I'm Ian, over here Ian in Dobson, now. Eugene, or Springfield City Springfield. Council. Yeah, we we'll go Springfield yeah. and get stuff done over here. Um, <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> but like anything that I would say to myself when I was uncomfortable, like you know, racing or training hard, was yeah. typically negative self talk. Right. So I was like. I wow, think okay. realistically, the best thing I can do is just create some white noise that drowns it out. So somehow along the line, I, I, this mantra of, um, I'll, I'll just say it, but then I'll explain where it comes from. Yeah, sure. It's um, Dalibor Balgak and Itai Magidi, which sounds okay, like nonsense. Okay, wait, wait, say, say that again. Yeah, Dalibor Balgak and Itai Magidi. So, so um, as far as I can tell, Dalibor Balgak is made up. Itai Magidi actually was a person I ran against in college. He ran for UTEP. Um, but somehow those, that, that series of like sounds, just Dalibor Balgak and Itai Magidi, Dalibor Balgak and Itai Magidi, Dalibor Balgak and Itai Magidi. It was like, just like over and over and over. I can wow. just say, and you can't think anything else while you're saying it, you know? 
And so it was like, it was just does like... That, does that just clear the static for you? Just and, like... It, you know, it would minimize it at least. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it, it certainly wasn't full, foolproof, but it was like, I mean, I actually used it a lot and I think it's a really good, like, you know, when I, I coach high school kids now and it's like, sure, I feel like that trick, making up your own mantra or just something that like is yeah. the replacement for negative self-talk is super right. valuable. Like if I Absolutely. had like one bit of advice for like, you know, runners like younger runners especially like as they're trying to figure out how do you deal with this like you know the sort of distress that you're in sometimes and sure yeah it's it's not to try to like you know figure out how to say nice things to yourself most of us aren't it's you know but it's but it's like how do you just how do you make the decisions ahead of time and then stick with them and it's like you kind of have to be right. able to like not rethink them you know like i could negotiate anything with myself you know i could negotiate it sure. down to you know stepping off the track at any point if I just let myself so I had to like fill it up so that was yeah that was always you know like it sounds silly but it is like I it, it was a very serious thing for no me. Like that's that's awesome that's great yeah. um do, do you still struggle with that negative self-talk or have you uh, yeah. you feel like you yeah I think so I mean it's it's easier to intellectualize any sort of challenges when you're not in like well, sure. physical yeah. distress you know right so so it's <laughs> right but still it's I think the point still remains very much where it's like okay you 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 can't reassess everything constantly right like you have to make some right. decisions and and just do the work to move forward with it sure and then check in again later but like so i think in in broad terms like i definitely still struggle with that um but i have different tools now i think i don't you know sit in front of my computer you know, reciting <laughs> while trying to write emails like that obviously doesn't work. Sure, so it's like, right. it's a different set right. of tools, but I think right, the, right, right. the lessons learned, like definitely, but, but you still have that. In yeah, the toolbox. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, will you come back on later and give us an update with how you're doing and what things are going? Yeah, how man, things are going absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I feel like I would, I would, this is your podcast. So, um, <laughs> but I, I have lots of questions for you too. And I, so maybe some, you know, I could, I could, just want to throw out the idea that I could be a guest host and you could be a guest guest. Um, really? Well, I, you know, you know. Wow, that would be you, amazing. I, I, <laughs> let's think about it. Okay, all right. All right. I just that made that great. up, so I have no idea if it's a good okay. idea or not. But if it is, you can vet it, <laughs> and you won't hurt my feelings either way. Um, but um, uh, no, man, this is. I, I really, you know, I think everybody, maybe not everybody. I, I appreciate talking about myself and, and thinking back on these things. And it, like I say, it's been a while, and it and it feels like a different. Sure. Like the the sort of athletic career that I had just feels like a different. It's it's hard to remember those things. You know? A different just, person. It just feels yeah. like a different person. Sure. Um, and so do it's you really have, fun to go back. Do you and, have like mementos around the house that that remind you of of the yeah, Olympics? Or, or we don't have yeah? any like around. That. I mean, I have a bunch up in our attic. Um, but like, you but know, like you don't you don't have them out or or anything like that. No. Um, Is that conscious or subconscious? Uh, it's well, we just moved, so it's probably no, mostly that's... subconscious but it's okay. like there is an element of like i you know i feel like you know i mean i'm very proud of the things that i did but i'm sure it's also not like what i want to lead with you know um yeah that's fair like yeah. it's just sort of like i'm certainly not hiding anything there but it just but it's just <laughs> like i just would rather you know yeah i would rather not lead with that i guess so it's that's for fair. whatever yeah. reason it just yeah they're not like we don't have like like I never got like the Olympic rings tattooed on me or something, you know, like, like some people do, which is cool too. Like no disrespect for people who, who do do that. I mean, I, I totally 
that, that is that, but. that is one thing that I I don't have any tattoos, yeah. but that is that is actually one that I if this if this pulls off if I can yep. pull this this trick off, um, I'm gonna get it and I'm gonna be right. as cliche as any other fucking person. No, man, I, you know, <laughs> but I, like, <laughs> you know, it. Um, I, yeah, it it's gonna happen. It I, won't be like like a tramp stamp or it'll be classy. <laughs> you know, real, like real classy, really yeah. small and pretty classy and <laughs> right on your neck. Perfect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, I, I, I definitely have been tempted at times, but it, but I, I didn't get it, and I just, yeah. So I, I sure. Anyway, where I was going with that, I guess, was just, <laughs> a, you know, yeah, just to sort of, uh, you know, I appreciate the the chance to kind of talk through things a little bit and remember stuff. And it's, of course, it's fun, it's man. it's, so, it's so, really, you you are, and I'm gonna fanboy a little bit. Like <laughs> be, before we met, um, I think at one point you stumbled into the bike shop, and I was like, oh my god, this is Ian Dobson. Um, I actually knew your dog more. I was going to say, I, that's than, not how I remember it. I remember you saying, is that um, Chap? I remember Chap more than anything else. <laughs> but um, for those of you who don't know, Chap is a very famous uh, cattle dog. That, uh, yeah, super sweet dog. Um, but, uh, you know, I I find, like, and this is kind of the whole premise for the podcast, really, is like, you are somebody that I find very inspiring and you are somebody just through your achievements, like you didn't win a gold medal. You didn't, you didn't, you know, like mm-hmm. to be, to be candid or Frank, it's like, well, you got knocked out in semis. So like, right, okay. Exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, and I love that you can laugh about that, but, um, you know, it's that, that and your story is what I find more inspiring than looking at Usain Bolt, looking at the, the top tier athletes in, in, in the tour, in my, in my sport and cycling. And it's like, it's hard to identify with those people. Like you have natural talent. There's no question, but like, it only got you so far. And like, there was still a little bit of disappointment, I think, you know, where like, and, and that, that is that human element that just doesn't get whole. Like no one gets to hear that. And instead we just hear, oh, these grandiose, glorious kind of kinds of things. So like it's it's stories like you and you know, next next episode I want to have your partner Lindsay mm-hmm. um on the sh- the show. Ooh, that sounds so official. I know. Um but you know it uh and, and have her talk about her running career and, and background because she also ran at a fairly high level. Um she ran and collegiately, and, and, and I'll be but but that's a frank. high level for those of us who didn't run oh, it is, collegiately, it is. you know. And I, like, and I, I'm not going to try to talk that down at all. I will be perfectly <laughs> frank though in saying that you are going to, you've got a, a, your work cut out for you to get her to get her to talk. She's she's not okay. Uh, she's a she's a. a we'll we'll this, warm her up. But yeah, you I, I got this. Work on that. I got this. That. Don't worry about I'm, that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I appreciate the heads up. But yeah. I do. I you know I think that that's why I was attracted to your project too. Is just like seeing that similar sort of value, I think it's a value system, right? And it's, and sure, a lot right. of people share it, but like, you know, it's, it is fun to like celebrate the good performances and I, that's fantastic. But like, yeah, like it is, there is an element of like relatability that I think it's one of the things that to me is fun about working with high school kids is that kind of get beyond the like, you know, when I first started working with them, it was like, I think they thought it was really cool that I had run fast. Now I don't think that they think that at all. I don't think they think about that very, the oh, interesting. very much at all, which I, which I think is a really good thing. It's like, sure. I think there is that element, like, and once in a while I'll mention it and be like, hey, you know, don't forget that I did do this for a lot of years and it wasn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not just pulling stuff out of a hat. But at the <laughs> right. same time, like, that said, I don't have the answers for you here, you know, and like, these are things that you're, you're going to have to struggle with, like that, your sore foot. I don't know. And probably nobody does any nobody else does either you know these are things you have to struggle with like and and it's i think that like normalizing those struggles and everything is like you know you don't want to over overthink them i guess but i think it's 
I just I, I, I yeah, but knowing that that's part of it. like part of how you are involved in this sport, right? Whatever your sport is, like yeah, so you you have a sore foot, you have a sore back, you have a you know like there's a fair amount of trauma you're doing to your body in yeah. whatever sport you're doing, right? And and that's that's a normal thing to accept and set a gloss over. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so I have. Uh, a couple final questions to, yeah. to wrap up here. Um, do you, uh, this next little bit, and I'm trying to do this with, one, I'll have these fastball questions for Lindsay too, so I'll Good. do this with every people, every person that comes through, so don't don't feel like you're unique. <laughs> you're unique in that you just you are the first culprit to this um, <laughs> this poor set of questions, so, okay. <laughs> so deal with that. Um, uh, do you have anything you want to, I mean, you did a lot of talking, which is great, and I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, do you have anything else that you want to, plug or talk about or events coming up or, or anything like that i kind of want to open the floor and, and and leave that leave that there for you yeah no I, I i i think i managed to um plug just about everything i could in that um, okay good this last hour no i mean I, <laughs> excellent yeah no honestly i mean it's like no i don't i'm, I'm okay i'm all right happy with that's what fine I'm doing, yeah. yeah great um the uh final question question oh man i put it at the top of my list and i should have put it at the bottom of my list that, that does that seem like it would be more logical i know yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man you know what i might have deleted it well then you don't have anything to plug That's, and that might that might be it yeah we'll, um, we'll really wrap this one up with a bang huh like just peter out just here and <laughs> killing it oh, yes uh, um so my my final thing and and kind of the um you are my my gem to try and get on here, having been a, a former Olympian. Is um, I have this journey where I'm trying to get to the Olympics, and and the Paris Games is is my goal. And um, I am on this after this episode launches, uh, going to launch a GoFundMe campaign um, to try and race for this 2021 season. And so um, I appreciate you coming on and, and kind of having this platform to talk about this and and see kind of what it's like from from the other side. And so. Um, this GoFundMe campaign is going to, it's, I'm asking for, I'm trying to raise $25,000, um, because I don't have a pro contract. I'm not a pro athlete. Like I work full time and I train full time and, and I'm trying to, trying to raise some, some money just to race this one season and hopefully come away with a Chilean national time trial championship title, um, which would get me on the books and then access to more of the funding if they can, you know, it's like, chicken or egg kind of thing right it's either you have um you have the recognition and you get the funding or you get the funding so you can get the recognition that's, <laughs> you that's know. a tough spot yeah it's a tough spot to be so um i appreciate you coming on more more than i can express and um uh yeah that's well that's what i got yeah so so you so i think you you should say more about the this campaign though because i mean i think it's, it's <laughs> okay, my, but honestly like because I, I i i knew that you were starting this and i you know, in reflecting on that a little bit, I was like, I think that that one of the reasons that it that you're an athlete worth supporting, not worth worth is the wrong word, but you're an athlete. I think, <laughs> you know, if, if I think it's it's people should consider because because you're doing things like this, right? And like like that you you were, there is some amount of give back. Like I know, you know, at least a little bit. I think of what you do for the cycling community here in our area, and and it's not just holing up in a cave and training, right? You're out there yeah, you, being that's part true. of the cycling yeah. community. And I think you're contributing. I think that, that right. not everyone does that. So, I, you know, I think there's there's so that's personally speaking, e- not trying to put words in your mouth, but I think that's <laughs> important to to recognize, right? That like, well, you, I, I appreciate that because I have a hard time talking about my myself yeah, in yeah. in this, but um, you know, so so that's this is my goal is 
2024 Olympics. Pull that off, right? Great. After that, I think that's when I feel like kind of a, like you said, like it's a, it's Ian Mark II. This could be, you know, kind of Andrew Mark II where I want to take this experience and, and really give back to the cycling community. Like I have a background in outdoor leadership and education and nonprofit business administration. Like I have, I'm good in this field. Um, I'm really good in this field and, and I want to take this experience and then come back to it and do well, similar in a similar vein to kind of what you're doing of like, you're coaching these teams and it's like, well, I can coach this because I've been there, you know, mm-hmm. and I want to have those experiences to share. I know I, I chair the, the board of directors for Twilight Operations, which is mm-hmm. where we recently just dissolved the LLC and I helped transition it into a 501c3 nonprofit, which oh, gave us more access to, um, to funding and grant writing and things, which we couldn't do as an LLC. So um, I was working with executive director Clara Terrell, who helps to put on these races uh, to dissolve that and move that over. And so, you know, we, yeah, we, we do give back and I do really firmly and deeply believe in giving back to, to my sport and to the community, whether it's Eugene, whether it's in Chile, whether, you know, and, and, or maybe bridging the two would be an ideal thing to do. Um, but like we put on a hundred plus races a year is what we do from May, from May to December, every Tuesday night, there is a race typically, you know, and then, um, almost every weekend from from july to september we have we have a race that we put on like I mean, that's we're a lot, busy man. it's that a lot a grind that's you know? a lot and, of work and there's there's no paid positions this is all this is all volunteer based this is it's a long season it's a really long season but it's totally worth it you know, we get these people into into bikes, and I want to get more people onto bikes, and I want to use kind of these experiences and my experience as as a top tier athlete to um, yep. to really give back and and kind of follow in in like I said a similar vein to what you've done and and I appreciate you saying that that you think I'm someone worth supporting, but you know, uh, yeah. I mean, for for those very reasons though, right? Like it's it's. It- I mean, $25,000 is, is in some ways a lot of money and in some ways not very much money, right? And it's right. Like, like it's, you know, I I'm, I'm feel pretty confident having not talked to you about this at all <laughs> in saying that you're probably going to need more than $25,000 for the year of right. training and traveling right. and all these things, right? Right. But it's like, is this something that a community can kind of get behind and help with? And I, I mean, I certainly personally, I mean, I would love to help out. And I think that that's, you know... I think that's a really cool thing, man. And I, I think appreciate they, they, you that. know, like yeah. we said, like you don't nobody you don't make an Olympic team or ride fast or run fast or whatever and all of a sudden become happy. But but riding fast and making an Olympic team does give you more of a platform, right? Right. You can still do these things after you're done competing. Sure. Whether you are successful ultimately in that single goal or not, but but it it would help to make that team. You it, know, right? it would help, I right? Mean, there, there's no question. And like Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. It's not a make or break, but it <laughs> I appreciate helps. it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. I mean, to get anyway. you an idea, like most pro cyclists have between 75 and 95 starts a year. So that's how much they race, 75 to 95 race days a year. Um, with with the $25,000 that I'm trying to raise, that is five trips that I can make internationally. And and like every single race yeah. has to be raced like my like my last. It's not in your position where it's like, oh, I'm a college student with no contract racing. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, but but no. like that's I'm trying to make five trips, and it's it's yeah. basically that that's the breakdown. Like living on a couch, showing up the day before the race, trying to race it, and and then go back home, go back to work, kind of thing. So, you yeah. know, 
That's that's the goal. Extravagant. This is not an extravagant ask, uh, but uh, yeah, man. Yeah, well, that'll be. Uh, it's going to be. So so, how do people? Uh, so you can donate directly if you if you'd like to participate. There's a whole spiel, and I have cost breakdowns and and everything for what what the funding goes towards. It's all on GoFundMe.com. Um, I'll post a link in the show notes. Um, I'll also make sure I post a link to Eugene Marathon um, and the ramble that you had mentioned um, in into there. Um, we Great. we usually get somewhere in the realm of you know thirty to to fifty downloads a week for for the episodes. Um, hopefully we'll get a little more now that we have a star-studded, uh, you know, <laughs> <Right. laughs> interviewee, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll certainly try and try and promote this and, 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 and do that, um, for, for your causes. Yeah. Yeah. No, likewise. Yeah. So Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it, man. Um, well, yeah, like I said, I'd love to be, uh, love to be a guest here at any point. Um, and I, Great. We can catch up outside of this as well. <laughs> yeah, too long it'd be here, nice so. to actually see you. It's um, been a while. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it would be really so, nice. Yeah. Um, well, uh, thanks again for coming on, Ian K. Dobson, and um, we will uh, chat with you soon. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Not Last podcast. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop weekly. Follow us on Instagram at notlast underscore podcast. This podcast is produced solely by me. If you like what you hear, be sure to tell your friends. Music was generously permitted by the illustrious Flemingosis, and my amazing artwork was created by the extremely talented Paige Anochibar. Give them a follow and be sure to support local artists. You can find and subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, and Stitcher, and really anywhere else you get your podcasts. Coming up next week, I've got another top-tier track athlete and cattle dog aficionado, Lindsay Markham. I'm excited you're here, and I hope you'll come back soon. And I think we are up and running. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. I, uh... Do you do you listen to the podcast um, uh, Don't Ask Tig? No, it's, what is it's, that? It's with Tig Notaro, she's a comedian, okay. and uh, she started this podcast. It's you know ostensibly an advice podcast. Um, okay, obviously, somewhat ironically named Don't Ask Tig, um, and uh, she gets like very famous people on with her. You know, they're like, well known comedians, and I, I forget who it was. I think it was the Indigo Girls came on and. The recording that we heard that her, you know, that she actually published was the second one she'd done with them because the first one she didn't hit record. She was like <laughs> very, very uh, sheepish about having not recorded the Indigo Girls. Well, that's um, great. The first time around. That, so that being said, uh, now that we've got about a minute of recording, let me pause this Perfect. and see if it records. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>